What's good, everybody? This episode of the podcast is sponsored by DistroKid. They are the go-to for digital music distribution and the easiest way for musicians to get your music onto Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, TikTok, YouTube, and more. They offer unlimited uploads, and artists keep 100% of their earnings in stores 10 to 20 times faster than any other distributor. Fastest payouts. They help out with automatic splits, cover song clearance, and all kinds of other amazing tools and templates to help you get the most visibility for your releases. I dig this company and really appreciate their business model that offers more features than any other distributor at the most affordable price possible for solo musicians, bands, studio artists, DJs, and any other creators that are producing music in their home. And they also offer label services as well. They're distributing over a third of the world's digital music at this point. And the best part about DistroKid sponsoring the podcast is that they are offering Dan Cable Presents listeners 30% off your first year of membership, making their already affordable services even cheaper. Check out the link in the episode notes. I will also put it in my Instagram bio in the link tree. Click that link and it will give you 30% off your first year of service. Super stoked to have DistroKid sponsoring the podcast and can't thank them enough for their support of this thing. This episode of the podcast is also sponsored by Produce Row Cafe in Portland, Oregon. This spot offers free live music every Thursday night throughout the summer from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. and Sunday brunch tunes from noon to 2 p.m. with DJs spinning vinyl. Lots of dance parties both day and night are on the summer calendar as well, featuring events from Global Based and other promoters. They are located in inner southeast Portland, and aside from offering free music every week on their patio, they've got a killer brunch menu on Saturdays and Sundays. The Migas and the breakfast sandwich are lights out, and the lunch and dinner menu doesn't slack either. Come through and check out some tunes over there at Produce Row Cafe, as well as their new summer seasonal cocktail menu. This is a great spot to grab some food and some drinks and enjoy some tunes with friends or family. Appreciate Produce Row being a supporter of the podcast and the local Portland music community. Now let's start the show. What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dan Cable Presents Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the program once again. If this is your first time listening, thanks for checking out the show. You can find fresh episodes coming at you every Tuesday. And if you want to help support this thing in a free way, you can do so by clicking subscribe on iTunes, clicking write a review, giving the podcast five stars if you feel like it is deserving of so, and that will help propel this thing into the tops of those iTunes charts, making it more visible for uh, strangers to find the podcast and just a great way to contribute to the growth and sustainability of this thing and if you have been listening for 300 plus episodes you are absolutely sick of hearing me talk about that at the top but uh it's still necessary so if you uh if you have the time please do so and appreciate the folks that have already done that and if you don't want to leave a review just tell somebody about the podcast maybe share it on uh, one of your social media channels or uh, something like that and help Help me beat the algorithm and uh, try to get more visibility for what I am doing with the podcast. And I've also been dropping some monthly playlists every first of the month. The links for those will be in the episode notes. They are available on Spotify and Apple Music every first of the month. Keeping them pretty wide genre-wise and uh, a snapshot into what I'm listening throughout the month. And some of the tracks that I'm playing in my DJ sets as of late, local Portland stuff, as well as uh, just new music that I'm discovering. Sometimes it's uh, old music that I'm discovering later. Some of that is uh, peppered in there as well. So 
check it out there's a bunch of other playlists on the on the profile as well if you're looking for stuff that's a little more genre specific that is uh available there as well been having a lot of fun making those playlists definitely has uh challenged me to to keep finding new music which i think djing in general has has really done that as well i always want to have at least you know 10 new songs that i want to mess with during a dj set so i'm always always looking to find new things and uh would also love to hear what you're listening to out there. So hit me with a DM or if there's a, a track you've released that uh, you'd like to see on one of these playlists or in my, my DJ sets, just uh, feel free. Email the show, dancablepresents at gmail.com. We can talk about whatever you want to uh, talk about there. But we got episode 322 in store for you this time around. Aubrey Hattard is on the podcast from New York City. Aubrey and I recorded this conversation a couple months back over the internets, and uh, I'm stoked to be able to put this chat out now that her record, Awaken Talking, is out. Happy album release to Aubrey. I know she and her bandmates had uh, it been sitting on this one for quite some time, so I'm sure it's really nice to finally have it out there in the universe and I appreciated the time that I got to spend chatting with Aubrey. She spoke a lot about not really identifying with uh, some of her older tunes and there seemed to be a lot of acknowledgement on her end of just not only how much her music had changed but just how much she had changed as a, a person as well. So I, uh, I enjoyed diving into that and just getting a better understanding for uh, where the turns in genres or instrumentation kind of uh, hit in throughout her catalog. And uh, yeah, I just think it's rad when you have these pieces of music or art to, to kind of reflect that change in your life. If you're somebody that documents your life through music or any form of art or recordings or writings. I just, uh, I always find it pretty interesting to go back and listen to those things or read those things to, to see where you were at and see what still resonates and see what doesn't resonate at all and, and see how you can, can or cannot recognize yourself in it sometimes. So, uh, we are going to get into that momentarily. Aubrey Hattard, on the podcast. Big thanks to everyone that came out to the five-year anniversary of a beat happening here in Portland this past Sunday. What a beautiful event that was. Definitely one of those where I felt like I was at the coolest party in town for the whole weekend, and I was uh, stoked we were able to host that one at Produce Row Cafe here in southeast Portland. Uh, It was... uh, it was just packed out all day. It was it was amazing and uh, saw so many homies and met a lot of new people as well. So stay tuned for a more uh, a beat happening events in the city put on by Love Jones. Shout out to Love Jones, aka Jonas. He's uh, just such a kind, nice dude, and he's doing a lot of cool things around the city for the. Uh, the music community and uh, especially the the beat makers and, and producers seen here in Portland putting a, a lot of people on, giving some of those people their, their first chance to perform in front of a live audience. And uh, that was a, a cool part of the celebration of a beat happening is some of those people that had their first opportunities to perform at previous a beat happening events were, uh, were part of the lineup for uh for this anniversary special and it was just cool to hear those artists kind of speak about that experience and how important it was to their their growth and getting them going so uh that was amazing i hope we can host more of those events in the future over there at produce row they've got free music going on over there every thursday night from 6 p.m to 8 p.m and sundays noon to two djs spinning vinyl during brunch and i want to put a few other calendar dates in your mind if you're in the portland area one being september 1st first thursdays over at the armory portland center stage free music free beer every first thursday 
there is a, a different artist over there and it's from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. And my dear friend Isabeau is playing tunes there on September 1st. So a free opportunity to, to see her play some jams and to, to check out the Portland Center Stage, a very cool uh, theater in downtown Portland. And September 3rd is the next Day and Cable Presents event. I am uh, hosting a show for Harpers coming through town from Salt Lake City. They're uh, a great band. This dude, Jacob, is such a good songwriter, and I'm excited to have them in town. They hosted a show years back for a band I was managing at the time, Brother Not Brother, and he set up this amazing show in Provo, Utah, and it's just uh, one of those relationships that I've uh, kept up over time and kept up with Jacob, and uh, I'm stoked to finally see him here in Portland, Oregon playing some music lovely duo is going to open that show and uh that's members uh of ezra bell as well as maurice and the stiff sisters going to be a great duo opening that and uh closing out the night rum river cult so come on down to mississippi pizza for some uh some some of that rock and roll we'll be down there september 3rd i really want to pack the the place out for Harper, so if you're uh, if you're around, please please roll out. And the following day, September fourth, I will be DJing over at North Forty Five. Hit my IG to keep up with me about all of those events at Dan Cable Presents. That link will be in the episode notes. Hit the Venmo if you'd like to donate to this fine program and help it keep it going. And you know, buy a microphone cable or an SD card or any of that that necessary gear to to keep this thing uh afloat appreciate you uh donating to the cause and appreciate you just for checking this thing out and if you're a fan of aubrey already i hope you learned something new through this conversation and if you dig what you hear go back listen to some previous chats new episodes every week usually myself in conversation with a, a musician a band of uh, all genres so keep up with me and we are now going to get into episode 322 with Aubrey Hattard we're going to kick off the episode with a track off that brand new Awake and Talking record which is available now on all the DSPs this song is called Green as Ever let's do the damn thing you want to talk about beauty
Well, stoked to talk with you. I uh, my introduction to your music was hearing "Green as Ever," and awesome. uh, yeah, so it's been it's been cool to get associated uh, with that track and the new record "Awake and Talking." So I'm stoked to stoked to dive into that. But because that was my entry point, it was a uh, it was a little surprising for me to go back to the <laughs> early, backwards, yeah, to, yeah. to the early parts of the catalog and uh, kind of hear how different those earlier releases were. So much uh, different feel and and seem like they were coming from a completely different angle with those things yeah, it's, it's almost like i should take that old stuff down you know? <laughs> i mean do you feel like you you enjoy still having that piece of you out there or do you feel like a little conflicted actually like with where the new you know the new sound is at do you feel like a little good yeah. question i know that i would have some grumpy people if i took that stuff down um but I do feel conflicted. It is so different and it's not, you know, it's not the person I am anymore. It's not the person I'm becoming. It's a very old version of what was once very authentic to me, you know, but can it always be? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if it can always stay authentic that way. Well, help me uh, piece things together of how like the, the sound has evolved. Maybe we can take it like all the way to the beginning are we gonna make we're gonna make a decision today about whether we're taking (laughs) (laughs) maybe 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 by the end yeah by the end of this conversation you know you'll you'll have a clear uh vision of of whether you're ready to do that but help me just kind of like piece things together of uh yeah like how the the sound has evolved and like maybe take it back to the the entry point of things like when did you start playing music or showing a, a heavy interest in in music Sure. I, I was just in a lot of bands um, at the time when I realized maybe I wanted to try dipping my toes into being a solo artist. Um, and I feel like I did it in the most uh, cautious way possible with the most acoustic, tiny, short songs you could ever imagine. And I was just like really trying to get a feel of whether or not it was something I wanted to do. And if, even if it wasn't something that I wanted to continue doing, I still wanted to try it once. So I tried it once and then I liked it and then I tried it again, got some players in there who are still the same band I have today, Charlie and Josh. Oh, wow. Um, and I know I'm a lucky girl that way. And then, um, yeah, after we made Blue Part as a band, we just started playing gigging a lot. So I think playing live kind of gave us more of an identity. We were playing so often um, and the sound just kind of evolved. I feel like at a certain point, I mean, at at any point, you're not going to try to make it something that it isn't, you know, you're just going to let it do its thing. And I think we've tried to do that as much as possible through the years, but it's been about six years that we've been making music together. So it's been a long time. And, you know, this new record is all post COVID. I mean, not that COVID is over, but post lockdown, we're all such different individuals. We're obviously a different band. And we've, you know, I think forever, our sound has always been influenced by what we're listening to then. And we're not gonna listen to the same stuff forever. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and did you have uh, other people in your family that were musical or were you kind of like the first one to show an interest in that way of actually, you know, starting to like write your own tunes and things like that? My dad loves music. I remember writing songs with my sister when she and I were really little. We were like the blue jean girls or something. And we made like an album cover and we had dances. And she was also, she is very musical also. But um, other than that, no, I'm kind of a spring chicken when it comes to music in my family. Yeah. Did it feel pretty natural to you when you picked up guitar and started writing as far as like that being? Yeah, I think uh, guitar is such a fickle instrument that no, I, I mean, I admire anyone whose journey with the guitar is that fluid and they pick it up and immediately get into it. But it took a while for me to get into it. I think um, 
I was in piano lessons when I was young and then was in, you know, school band, marching band, uh, tried my hand at choir, all those things. But then I did have a music teacher who put a guitar in my hands. And yeah, from then on out, it was always in phases. It was like until it became a tool for writing songs, which is just the most therapeutic and like cathartic thing you can do for yourself. So. Yeah, were you kind of always writing lyrics down in some form, even before you were writing songs? I think the lyric writing really started happening towards the end of my high school years when I was playing and starting to play in a few bands where it was, you know, called upon me as the vocalist to write the lyrics. I was like, all right, I guess I'll try it out. But yeah. And were you were you pretty like comfortable in sharing yourself (laughs) in that way? Yeah, maybe too comfortable in sharing myself. You know, maybe I should have kept some of those things to myself. Um, <laughs> no, I yeah, I guess that part didn't really throw me off as much as just wanting to be very good. You know, wanting to think of myself as as up to par, up to my own standards. Yeah, did you find yourself like surrounded by people you were intimidated a little bit by musically or just like people that you uh felt pushed by to to get better i think i have sought out those communities and not necessarily found myself in them but it i think it is important to seek out those people that do make you feel like that but yeah for sure and as far as the lyrics you know is like you were saying that maybe you were like a little too forward with uh things in the beginning do you feel like you've like (laughs) reeled that in differently or like do you think about what you're putting out maybe differently now than than you did early on one of my favorite things to think about lyrics right now is uh, a quote from aldous harding who's like one of my favorite artists right now just an amazing musician and i just saw her perform and if you haven't seen it it was incredible she was just so captivating to watch but um she said when she was asked about her lyrics and her vocals that she likes to think of her vocals as a skateboard on a cobblestone street. And I thought that was such an interesting way of viewing the relationship between lyrics and music. I would love to apply that in any way that I can. Cause I thought it was, uh, I just love that relationship. I, you know, like not necessarily in harmony, kind of like directionless, not something that like something you're trying to get through as like, yeah. as a listener, like, I, I don't know, but I think for a long time, I felt that there's like a marriage between the music and the lyrics. Um, tried to chase that a little bit, but I do think that if you're letting the music influence the lyrics too much, then you might come out with something that's different from your original vision, you know? Yeah. Is (laughs) is it, I don't know, is that easy for you to kind of like identify maybe when you've gotten like too far away from the idea? (laughs) You know, I have two very talented musicians that I work with and they, if I'm unable to identify it, they definitely keep me in check. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Helpful to hear that. Have those like other ears in the room. Yeah, you know, not always like in the moment, not always the easiest thing to hear, but definitely helpful to hear. <laughs> for sure. And where was all this uh, taking place for you, Aubrey? I know you're in New York now, but where were yeah. you? Where was for the your, record? Or no, just like your your early beginnings. Where did you grow up? Where Where were I you so, playing music yeah, in high yeah. school? I grew up in the Hudson Valley in New York, so not far from here. Started playing music there, obviously in high school and all that stuff. Then I moved to Boston and found myself in a bunch of bands up in Boston. Um, And Boston was really cool because it was such a small town. So you kind of got to be a part of everything that was going on. Um, And that was really exciting cut my teeth for a while up there and then moved down here to New York city just before the pandemic, but we all moved together as a band. So a lot of the music that, you know, is coming out now we wrote during lockdown when we were still afraid to go to the grocery store. Yeah. So when you were growing up, did you like often make trips to the city or like when you're in high school, were you going to shows in the city? 
Yes. Getting into lots of trouble. My teenage years <laughs> down here. Um, yeah. I mean, being a New Yorker in general is a romantic idea and just like being from upstate and yeah, definitely had ties to the city growing up for sure. Yeah. I went to New York for the first time like a month ago. What? Yeah. Where'd you go? Um, uh, just kind of like all over. I had, I only had like two full days off. I was there on a tour. I was doing a oh, tour. Man- I was doing a tour managing gig for, with who? for this band called high pulp. And they're, High Pulp. Yeah, they're based out of Seattle. They're this uh, okay. experimental jazz band, but we cool. had a show there and then a couple days off before we had to leave, which was very cool to to have these full two days off and just kind of cruised, uh, you know, throughout Brooklyn. And what was the best part? Played. We we stayed in in Flatbush, but I was just mm-hmm. like honestly, just the entire time, mind blown the the whole time I was there just like very so like just never been in a place that feels that alive I guess and it's just kind of like electric yeah Yeah. and it's just kind of like strange I guess in some ways to you know see something on tv or like through film or photographs like my entire life and then just to be like finally standing in the middle of it and uh yeah, I I loved it. Like I did, I knew that I would enjoy my time there, but I did not know that it would kind of like take me in that way of like. And guess this what? That will amazing. never go away. You will have that experience every time you come to New York, even if you move here. That's why people never leave. Yeah, I feel like it's a, it's like a place that I have to like. I I need to go like once a yeah. year, or like every other yeah. year, just to like check in with. Uh, what is happening there but did you mm-hmm. just caught like did you just have you always found that to be like a really inspiring place because there is so much going on constantly yeah definitely i like to call it a really fun hell because <laughs> you know you have to you have to do so much to keep up with it and and check in with yourself so much to keep up with it and really like it is hard to be here all the time but um it's so fun and the you know going to shows all the time is is truly priceless for people who crave that kind of activity yeah yeah and is it uh i don't know because the city is so big is it is it kind of harder to find your people or like the the community that makes sense to I you? honestly i feel like it's the opposite because it just attracts a like-minded person i have such an easy time making friends in the city just like being out and being you know, at a certain bar or whatever it is, or a certain show, everybody's connected and everybody's doing their own thing. There's like a minimized sense of competition here and more of a general support for all things creative and all things fun. It's like you have, because if you were, if you didn't have that, you would be lost because everybody around you is doing it. You would just suffer if you weren't joining in on that, like, supportive vibe you know yeah i just uh appreciated the speed at which things moved yeah. as well like i uh yeah. just kind of a new appreciation for like what it's like to like be there and like what it must be like to just like constant constantly be living there and it's like not that new yorkers or like are I don't know. There's that stigma that New Yorkers are, are rude or something. And New Yorkers are very nice. Yeah. I just remember the first night I was there, I was at, like at a corner store at 4 a.m. And a dude found out it was my first time in New York. And he's like, I'm buying everybody's food in the corner store. And he was like, oh my God. yeah. So we like bought all of our food. And then he said, hey, just remember not not every New Yorker is an asshole. Like, and go do something but you nice know, for You know, you can't call it a corner store. Yeah. You know what you're supposed to call it. The bodega. but just uh yeah i don't know it just uh it felt like you have to you have to speak up and really use your voice in that in that city or you're not going to be heard either so true true. do you find yourself like more inspired writing when you're like within the city or like do you feel like you need to get away from it sometimes to like process things I definitely like going elsewhere to write just trips and things like we've done residencies before we did a residency in France, which was cool. And we did a residency in Oakland. Um, And a lot of the new record was written upstate. 
um, during lockdown when I was crashing with my parents, you know, on their property upstate. Um, so yeah, I think just generally your mind is a little crowded in New York and it is nice to get a little bit of perspective, but writing is, um, not just, you know, when the muse strikes you, it's a muscle and you got to do it all the time. So I do a lot of writing here too, because that's my job. (laughs) Yeah. Are you someone that likes to set aside time to write every day, even if you don't like feel like you have something? Yes. I love to do that. I don't always hold myself to it maybe, or don't always get the chance to do it, but like the discipline of songwriting, I find like so much fulfillment and purpose in the discipline of it. Yeah. Yeah. Will it surprise you what it comes out even when you feel like you're not like, don't have much to say? Yes, actually. Yes. (laughs) And you were talking about lyrics before you were talking about, um, you know, how, I used to say too much with my lyric writing yeah. and now now I still feel like I'm saying so much like but in retrospect I look back on the lyrics and they're much more like cryptic like I feel like once upon a time I was writing things that were very um what's the word self-explanatory and now to actually extract the true my true meaning which isn't necessarily the final true meaning of the song but my true meaning of the lyrics are very is very heavy you know it's coming from like even maybe an even deeper place than it ever was but um it would take so much work and so much more explanation that i don't think anyone will truly know ever yeah it does seem like there's this uh (laughs) this added layer of mystique because i like that i like when i listen to a song and don't know what it's about and and then i get to decide what it's about for me yeah for sure i mean i think that maybe is just like the whole vibe of where the music is at now like there's so much to kind of get lost into outside of the vocals you know that's great to hear thanks yeah Yeah. i earlier you mentioned kind of just like in the beginning that you were just you know trying to communicate these things that you were you were feeling in like whatever form so with like that lullabies record what did you kind of like enjoy about trying to communicate an idea or a feeling in like such a short time frame because a lot of those songs are just like a minute or two minutes i know that whole record was made with like extra studio time for another record i was making with a band i just like brought my guitar and and we decided to like cut some tracks you know we're not actually cutting anything but yeah um yeah so the whole thing itself was kind of like an afterthought but I think at the time, I those songs were just all very introspective, and I didn't really have anywhere else to put those, that those words and those feelings. So, do you feel like there's uh, there's something a lot different when you're just I don't know when you're laying something down that quickly and there isn't a lot of thought? Do you feel like you're I don't know capturing something different because all of those tracks like feel very raw or like they're in one take or? But yeah, I mean a lot of them are, but. I, I don't know. That's just such an old version of myself. I, I don't really know how to even analyze it anymore. I'm so disconnected from that person. Yeah. Does it, it that feels <laughs> like, I don't know, like if I told you five or six years ago that you'd be making this dreamy pop music, would you be like, no way? Like, yeah, totally would not be. Well, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I I really like, I like myself to listen to artists that have a journey, you know, that can cover a bunch of different places and and throughout their whole career. Like, I want to see that evolution. And um, I don't know, I I hope that people who listen to my music like seeing it too. I know that there are some people who are upset about the evolution, but can't please everybody. Yeah, as long I mean, as long as you're stoked about it. You yeah, know, exactly. And, and, you know, it feels good to you. Like it doesn't yeah. make sense to placate to you know the the folks that have been supportive in the past. Just yeah. to, to no, please you them. Can't. You know, definitely not. Definitely not. It's gonna feel fake and not authentic. Yeah. I think. 
Yeah. Where, Take the joy out of it. Where do you think like all the bluesy influences came from initially, like before stepping into like the new era of music? It seems like the, the blues influences are heavy and just like your approach and playing the guitar. Yeah. What a nice way of, play- of saying that I have a sloppy way of playing the guitar. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. No, it's got, I just kind of like throw it out there. You're not wrong. But um, I, that's just the music that I got really into when I started performing, when I found myself like in music and really enjoying doing it. That's just the kind of music that was available to me and that I really took a liking to. Like with the... Uh... Like where, where did things take the shift for you then? Like before getting into Awake and Talking, the new record, it seems mm-hmm. like with maybe like Thin Line was like Yeah, this- so at Thin Line and then, and those four singles were part of like a second record after Blue Part um, that never came out. So we recorded, I don't know, maybe nine songs and we released four of them as singles and... It was kind of, as a record itself, it was kind of all over the place. Like you could hear all of that old influence. And then you could also hear the sort of new approach that Awaken Talking is. Um, but it didn't feel like one cohesive thought. As far as where that new feeling came from, I really think that us playing as a group, it's just kind of naturally where we wanted to go you know we we wanted to make music that we liked listening to and i loved listening to the blues when i was 16 but all of a sudden i was 24 and wanted to feel something different when i was playing my music so and were all of the like initial ideas still coming from you on the guitar or you know do has have things started to build a little differently like when thinking about the new record Things have been building differently. So I write a lot with um, my partner, Charlie, who plays the bass um, and also synthesizers, but he's a wonderful guitar player. He's one of those people you just like resent so much when you want to (laughs) play an instrument that he thinks he doesn't know how to play. But um, yeah, he has so many musical ideas and I think he approaches music from a different angle than I do. So we make a great team that way. And, um, you know, writing a lot of the awakened talking, I want to say a lot of the awakened talking guitar parts were originally synth parts that I wrote and then decided to translate to the guitar. I find like writing on different instruments is such a good way of getting something new out of yourself. Um, and maybe vice versa. I think maybe there's a few guitar parts that became synth parts too. Um, but like forever is on the record was do 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 do. That was a synth part, and now that's all guitar. And there's one more, but I can't remember what it was. That was also synth. Like a track, like uh, like Harbor. Is that one like where it's starting off with just like a drum loop and and building off of that, or is it still like that initial idea is still coming from like a melodic instrument? That initial idea was me being like, okay, you can write three different sections of melodies and only play two chords. Like, let's try to do that. Because I, I feel like once upon a time, right, my music came from this really harmonic place on Blue Part. There are so many chords on that record. Um, so yeah, just trying to like approach it from a different angle and write, you know, with something different, with a different kind of prompt. Harbor was just written as two chords originally, but then yeah, stripped it back, let Joshy kind of do the drum intro um, and just arrange it. trying to serve the song you know yeah josh's pockets are just like so huge it seems like it like <laughs> digs out so much space for you to yeah like... he's really skinny too so there's a lot of room in the box so. <laughs> yeah do you find it important for yourself to like put some creative parameters out there every once in a while to see like what that produces 
Totally. I So I teach songwriting to little kids. That's like my day job, which is really a wonderful and beautiful thing. Um, but so I'm constantly like trying to get them to do something, give them some kind of prompt to unlock it for themselves. And I end up using those prompts for myself a lot too. Like the other day, I think I wrote a bunch of lyrics on a page and then I made myself just cross words out on every line. And I ended up with lyrics I actually really liked. Whereas originally when I wrote everything down, it looked like some kind of like diary entry or like weird, like cryptic diary entry. And then I just crossed it all off. And a lot of times when you take the words out, it gives it so much more meaning, you know, because you're not handing everything to the listener. They get to fill in the gaps. And I don't know. I do like writing with some parameters. Yeah. And I also read that you, uh, like the last couple of years, you got pretty heavy into things like the cockatoo twins. The cockatoo twins? Yeah. Cockatoo. <laughs> the cockatoo twins. I do love cockatoos. They're so cute. But like cockatoo twins, yeah, yeah. it's a, a bunch of like dreamy, shoegazy stuff. Yeah. And I, actually, that's um, as far as like you asked where kind of like the new musical direction came from for Awaken Talking, I feel like when the pandemic hit, we were like super lost and all we could really do was like go to our rehearsal space and play and write. And we wanted to have fun. We like desperately wanted to have fun. Like, you know, we were just like seeking some kind of joyous release as opposed to all the time we were spending in our like tiny, shitty, dark apartment and whatever. I mean, it wasn't that tiny. It was a nice place, but it was very like busy. It's like middle of Brooklyn and it's pandemic and everything and everything was so confusing and we'd have these moments together where we just like wanted it to be really fun and let it out so yeah is that you think that attributed to just kind of like creating such like these songs that have like these such huge ceilings and just kind of create yes. these these dream world yes i remember when i started going back to work in october of 2020 and I would get to the subway station and nobody was there. And I had my headphones on and I would just like dance my ass off. I was dancing so hard. And I was like, and I'm, you know, I'm dancing to Cocteau Twins or I'm dancing to like Kimbra or something. And sometimes I'd like make eye contact with someone. They'd start dancing too, like on the other platform. And those moments were so good. I remember thinking like, I want to do this for people. Like I want my music to, to inspire this at least once. You know what I mean? Like maybe not, maybe that's not my artist statement for my whole the whole arc of my career or whatever but you know I I know I knew that I wanted to make music like that right now yeah it definitely seems like there's you know there's all these like groovy elements to the new music that does like make you want to move and yeah good track like doors I think is like a very cool uh maybe like display of the impact of maybe the cock two twins and oh yeah I feel like listening to that one gave me those like heaven or Las Vegas vibes, you know? Oh, that's cool. That's really cool. For sure. That's actually the first song that I wrote for the record. Not knowing that I was writing a record, but yeah. Did it, uh, I don't know, Did do you feel like that one set some things in motion then, being that it was uh, the first one that you wrote for the record? It definitely set in motion like a, a habit of sitting down to write. It was like one of the first times that I was like clearing my headspace, clearing my my room, my physical space, and making time to like to put energy into a new project. So yeah, definitely marked the beginning of something. And is it, uh, did you, did you know when you were done for this record or like, did you write a bunch of different, is it, was there way more songs that you cut? We did. I want to say there's like three or four that didn't make the cut, which are still, I'm still very fond of. Maybe I'll hear them eventually, but they were honestly, they were a little more reminiscent of older things so they didn't fit in with this new vision yeah was it pretty easy for you to like identify when it was complete and like when you feel like you had all the pieces for it 
you know, I'm getting better at it, but I'm pretty precious about all of the things that I create still. I am getting better at it though. I should give myself a little bit more credit, but I am very lucky for the people on my team who are not precious about the things that I make. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like, what's that creative dynamic between you and Charlie? Like in the, in that regard, like, are you pretty apprehensive about showing ideas until they're like very flushed out in your head or are you like no gosh no okay but you know it's man what a complicated dynamic it is it's been six years so we've had a long time to figure out how to navigate it you know in so many ways but um yeah truly get some great ideas and help bring them um and a lot of the times I won't, like if he brings something to the table, I won't play the guitar. I'll just try to find my voices way through it first. But usually that's in the group setting with all three of us there. Um, and then when I've got an idea, I mean, I write a lot of songs that I don't bring to the table at all. Um, not because I, just because I know where we're at right now. There And there's a time and place for every song and it's not always right now. So a lot of things don't make it to like the writing room with the band, but they exist somewhere. Um, and then sometimes, you know, I'll play something and we'll jam on it for like 13 minutes, like, you know, just some washy nonsensical yeah. jam. And then afterwards we all crack up and, and decide that it sounds like, you two or something and move on and then we let it and we let it die right there you know but yeah yeah like absorbing the the cocktoo twin stuff and like maybe some of the stereo lab was that i don't know what do you appreciate about the stuff that's maybe like a little bit left of center but still has like those pop sensibilities i mean i think i appreciate that it's left of center and has pop sensibilities you know what i mean like that's a beautiful way of saying what those things are i mean Cocktail Twins instantly is melody to me. I was shook when I discovered all of those melodies for the first time, um, truly. And Stereo Lab is like all about the groove and all about the bass movement. And I think, um, and all those synth sounds and something, you know, it's just so creative that way. And, and there's also something, there's a vibe to it. There, like the Stereo Lab vibe is, almost, it's not like, it's not like, oh, this is so out of reach. This is yeah. elite. But there is like a hint of that, of like, you want to know how this makes you feel. You want to know what to think of it, what to make of it. So figure it out. It's a little challenge for you as a listener. Yeah. And so much of it isn't like in French. Yeah, exactly. So like that just like <laughs> adds this other element. If you don't understand French, then it's just this other instrument for you to interpret. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I, I feel like... uh I don't know. Future boxes gave me kind of like that that feel. Oh, I love to hear that. I I truly love that song. Uh, do you do you feel like there you know, there's like so much production and like these songs are so big in so many different ways and and so many different layers did that give you like i don't know different things to attach yourself to within the music i truly feel sorry excuse me i truly feel that now that it's out um it really is not mine anymore i i know that that frustrates some people and people are going to want to know what certain songs are about but it's kind of it's just like not mine. I don't know. I don't. I don't feel so attached to them because it's released, because it's finished, and it's it's done all it's gonna do. It's become all it's gonna be. I don't know. Yeah. Were you finding like different levels of excitement though when you were making the record, hearing it all come together, maybe like you hadn't before, just because the the music was so different? For sure. I think um, for me, I get the most excited about the song about the initial songwriting. I really do. Um, but I love the production process. It is incredibly exciting. I don't know that it adds any extra meaning for me though, to be making it that way, but it is, I think it's very necessary because it, it's serving the song, you know, 
in uh, the only way we know how. And where do you, uh, do you feel like you had a new sense of freedom with what you were able to do vocally with this record because there was so much space for like instrumentation yeah i think i am pretty reserved on this record which was nice i've been hired for so many things to belt my ass off and be the center of attention for four and a half minutes straight and i think you know it's hard to avoid doing that sometimes for me because that's just my my fallback i just lean on my voice a lot yeah. to carry me through a track but um there was a lot of holding back in the making of this record and i think it was necessary yeah it still feels like there's like those moments too when you're like yeah your full voice gets to be oh, shown yeah, yeah. throughout the you know pieces of it but yeah also just like i don't know do you attribute anything particular to being able to like capture such this uh like i feel like even though you know the record feels like it's striving for perfection it like still has a lot of like raw feel to it in the the vocal deliveries is it easy for you to like turn it on in the studio or do you are you someone that kind of needs like the right day and the right setting i don't want to I don't want to sound arrogant, but I consider myself a professional singer, if nothing else. So I, I'm not super particular about what I need vocally. But you know, like I said, I mentioned with the discipline thing before. I take everything way too seriously, and I'm gonna <laughs> practice my ass off for anything, <laughs> anything I do. So you know, yeah, I, I think that I just like approach it as an athlete almost, with just like a very serious professionalism even though it's so much more than just you know a job or whatever it's art so there is always going to be that element of like following your intuition and and feeling yourself out but at the end of the day you're you're using your body to complete a task so yeah yeah do you feel like the the songs these particular songs and the way that they're delivered like kind of forced you to think about your your lyrics different and your vocal approach in general you know what ended up happening we we demoed all of this record upstate in a closet and it was a really beautiful experience and i ended up getting really attached to some of those vocal takes actually i want to say that there are some background vocals that were tracked upstate as part of the demo so we just flew into the final session but um recreating those takes for you know being in that closet upstate yeah you know unemployed making music every day hiking swimming like living my best lockdown life and then a year later in the studio trying to recreate the same thing being so attached i think that took a lot of um concentration and that it was it was much harder than i expected it to be because there was there was a lot of effortlessness to the demos and it was hard to recapture effortlessness it's like such an elusive thing you know hey everybody i just wanted to take a minute to let you know that this episode of the podcast is sponsored by north 45 pub located in the alphabet district of northwest portland They've got a killer selection of Belgian beers and an extensive liquor wall of over 200 bottles. It's summertime, and they've got their 45th Parloma on the menu, their play on the Paloma, as well as their staple food item, the rosemary garlic fries, which are easily my favorite thing on the starter's menu. That fry sauce, I don't know what it is, but it's banging. And in addition to the cocktails and the food, they've got one of the best patios in the city, Tons of big screens outside to enjoy the sun and all your favorite sports. And the best part is they've also got free live music. You can catch DJs there every Tuesday night from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Residencies from local artists including Spinach, Vanport, Sicko Side, and WWJP, as well as DJs and beat makers every Sunday from 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. Don't miss local beat makers Love Jones and Free Tillman every second Sunday and DJ Slim Gweenie every fourth Sunday at North 45 Pub. Now let's get back to the episode. Did you have to sit on the record for, have you been sitting on this thing for a while? Has it been complete? Oh yeah, it's been complete since my birthday in November. 
Okay. What is that? What has <laughs> that process been like for you since it has been done for so long? Um, honestly, I've been writing a ton of new music. It's nice to be done with it. And we um, have been working on our live set and playing all this stuff live, which is a new experience. Um, you know, it's a lot of ideas to communicate from the stage. Yeah. You feel like you're kind of like learning the songs all over again in the in the live sense. Yeah, just figuring out how how to do that has been fun and challenging. Um, but like there is a lot of joy in these songs. So playing them live feels really good. And it does I don't I'm not you know, I haven't shied away from it at all. I I, I really have been enjoying that. But um the prolonged release, man. It's just a crazy musical world we live in now Yeah, where, you know, every single is another a number, a stat for whoever to <laughs> pick up my, you know, follow, follow me, <laughs> find my music. <laughs> it's really challenging. I mean, I'm sure, you know, and, you know, every artist knows like that playing that game is very frustrating and but that's okay. It's what we have to do. It's just one of the, you know, responsibilities of our work at this point. Yeah. You have to, do you feel like you have to be conscious of though, of like that balance of like, oh, I have to like present myself somewhere on the social media landscape, but also not. Get- are you, yeah. Are you asking if I find that challenging? Like, yes, yeah. obviously. Yes. I literally hate it. I would live under a rock. I would be off the grid completely if I could be. Yeah. Maybe one day I will be. For sure. Yeah, there, there is like that demand though. It seems like right now to be like, I, I gotta show myself somewhere. Truly necessary. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is unfortunately. Which, uh, yeah, I don't know. Seems like maybe it, it made its some of that, some of that made its way into the record as far as like inspiration for tunes. As far as yeah, no kidding. Being inundated <laughs> with that that media all the time. Yeah, there is definitely some hints of that. Yeah, in the record. Yeah, do you feel like there's like looking back since there you've you know you've become familiar with these songs for a long time so like looking back on it now do you feel like there's a lot of through lines of like themes throughout the record that you didn't realize were there when you were initially writing the songs? Yeah, there's definitely like in retrospect always through lines. I I mean, you're not creating the through lines when you're writing the songs, you know. I mean, unless you are very intentionally doing that, but that's not how I made this record. So, um, yeah, I think a huge part of the last few years has been me trying to re-identify myself, um, just rediscover myself. Maybe I've never discovered myself, maybe doing that for the first time. Um, A lot of existentialism and... (laughs) no virtually no romance on this whole record which is uh was new for my releases a lot of romance in my past releases um but yeah a lot of existentialism and identity crisis yeah do you feel like even like on stage now you're getting to like explore a completely different space because of the like how big these songs are and maybe how big you're able to be I do. I feel like it's more universal in that way. And then it's not, you know, relationship based. Well, some, some songs are, but, but not romantic relationships or anything. Um, and in that way, yeah, it's such a true, it's still true to how I'm feeling these days, you know, that it being able to perform those songs now is super cathartic. And as far as uh, as teaching kids, what, what do you what do you feel like you learn from them? Like that keeps you inspired. Mm, good question, man. They're so inspiring. I, what do I learn from them that keeps me inspired? Or do you feel like the, those are things that maybe like when you're frustrated with your yourself musically, or like maybe your relationship with music is. Uh, feeling a little unhinged does that help help you when you get to see them approach it you know i don't know if i can 
tie such a direct line to it, but I feel like my relationship with music is much healthier because I literally have to sit down and reassure kids sometimes, you know, that whatever they put on paper is fine. And, and those words are just going to echo back in my skull, you know, at a later point in time. I don't know if it's so cause and effect, but I, um, I love, oh man, there's this one girl who she's amazing. Um, and I see her sometimes she'll be like locked eye contact with me and she's playing the guitar and she's singing and she's totally lost. And I see it in her eyes. She's just completely overcome by like the feeling of her playing this music, you know? And she finishes and she like lets out a huge gasp and like a big (laughs) smile. And she's like, that was amazing. I want to do it again. And I'm like, that is it. That's literally it. Like once you, when you have those moments, especially when you're young, you know, like we're always just going to chase those moments as musicians because they happen. They do happen. It's a high. Yeah. This, but, this yeah. is that like absolute presence in the moment of just like experiencing it along. I know. And, and so pure, yeah. like so undistilled in a young heart and a young mind. Like I will never have that again. No, none of us will, you know, it's like you will only have it when you're that young. And I think witnessing those moments is so inspiring knowing that I got to experience that once too. And I'm still trying to. (laughs) And with like where you're at now, like where do you, uh, where do you see your relationship with music being healthier or like in like notice like the most growth within yourself than where you were at maybe like six years ago when you first started putting music out? Um, I think that I know now that you know, I'll never stop playing music. And I think a couple of years ago, it was like, oh, well, I could just quit today. Mm. You know, there was like a flippancy to my attitude a little bit of like, <laughs> there's just too much, you know, to deal yeah. with. I, I like, it's so easy to get overwhelmed with all of the bullshit, but even if you quit the industry, you're still going to be a musician forever. You're still going to play music forever, you know? Like, yeah. Don't kid yourself off, right? <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't you literally couldn't if you tried it's fine but um yeah i think that's where it's healthier and just like that understanding of like the way that music fits into my identity is so much bigger than a career yeah it's it's funny like talking to people that you even you know admire so much about like what they do musically or or art wise and find out that even the people that you think are doing it on the highest level are like experiencing that struggle of like, yeah, I think I'm going to quit today. <laughs> like once, <laughs> once a week, like what am I doing with my life? <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> It'll never go away. It's <laughs> <fine>. <laughs> well, uh, it's, it's been, yeah, it's been cool diving in to, to the record. It's, uh, it's definitely like when you're, when you talked about that, that girl just kind of losing herself in the songs. I feel like like the song that she was playing, I feel like uh, that's kind of like what I get out of listening to this record at moments, like just kind of finding myself lost in what's happened, happening musically, or just like the way that you're delivering the, the lyrics and the vocal melodies with this one just seems like it's uh, kind of on this next, this next level. And uh, somewhere is definitely my favorite track on on the Ooh, whole record yes. so i want to play i love that yeah, too. i want to play the episode out with this one uh i really love that fucked up like drum machine like synth part at the very end where everything yeah. starts to mm-hmm. get really uh wild before it goes out with the the vocal like kind of like throughout the record there's these moments where like a little bit of chaos is created but it's juxtaposed Definitely. by like your beautiful vocals throughout it, so. <laughs> thank you um <laughs> Yeah, that one's definitely gonna be uh, on the summer summer nights banger list. You yes, know, that's got it. Yes. That's got to be the summer nights jam right there. <laughs> uh, do you remember anything about like this one coming together? Like what you were going through, like when you were writing it, without you know, with was still being leaving some of that mystique 
that you were talking to? <laughs> I honestly, did you do this on purpose? Because I, I, I haven't thought about the meaning of the song, but it's exactly what we were just talking about. I mean, like, it's literally me being like, I could quit tomorrow, but like, I know who I am in my heart. And like, music is always going to be that thing, you know? So, Hell yeah. Yeah. It's like all about, you know, it's just about identity, but also about finding the joy it's such a danceable track that's all i wanted to do although i will say the first version of this song the lyrics were <laughs> entirely different and i get teased about them at rehearsal <laughs> pretty regularly i, I honestly don't want to tell you this is like really embarrassing but the lyrics were like <laughs> the lyrics were like very like um very abstract and kind of like about like zoo animals almost okay and it was like it was like a funky like disco zoo <laughs> but like, like, it was like not how it ended up so i i just get teased about it a lot <laughs> but like you know we threw all of that out throughout the melodies throughout the lyrics and re rewrote the song and it's now one of my favorite songs so Very cool. Well, I dig the the record quite a bit. It's Awake and Talking. You can find it out on all of the things, and I'll put all the links in the episode notes so that uh, people can keep up with you, Aubrey. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, we end every episode of the podcast with the guest saying the tagline for the show, which is, it's a program. So if we could get the uh, Aubrey Hattered it's a program we can properly end this thing it means absolutely nothing it's just the the way other that than my, the word program yeah it's what said program yeah it's the way my grandfather always says the news Is program he no he's not he's just mm. an old man who's like says program instead of program when he's talking I'm about the news really into that that's so, very chaotic you can deliver it however you would like aubrey okay okay um it's a program she nailed it everybody that's aubrey adder you can check out the awake and talking record and uh we're playing it out with that somewhere track off the record and that's the jelly jams and we will catch you on the flip side portland new york wherever you are listening from want to give a big shout out to distro kid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast can't say thank you enough to distro kid for their longtime support of this thing make sure you go into the episode notes and find that distro kid link to receive 30 percent off your first year of membership making their already affordable prices even cheaper for you so make sure you take advantage of that you can also find the link in my link tree in my instagram bio Big thanks to DistroKid and the other sponsors of the show, Produce Row Cafe and North 45. Stay up, stay tuned.